Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant yeah. Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Muy buenos días. Wake up, America. It's Friday, March 10th. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across much of America that is up this morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's great to be with you on this Friday as we get ready for another weekend and the third Sunday in Lent. Let's remember the sacred heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ on this Friday. Pray the stations of the cross. Sometime today, uh, if you if you get a chance, uh, you can either do it on your own or you can go to your local parish. Uh, again, uh, if if you can, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to do, especially uh, during Lent. And a quick reminder today, of course, is a day of prayer and fasting and abstinence, which means there is no meat. I want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines on this Friday morning? Well, uh, popping up in the news here uh, with the 10th anniversary of his pontificate coming up on Monday, 10 years already for Pope Francis, uh, chat that he would consider resigning if he, quote, becomes too tired to continue his role. Uh, this is in, uh, something published today in Italian media, and he's made that comment in the past a little bit. Uh, Reporters asked what would lead him to resign, and he called maybe a lack of clarity when it comes to knowing how to assess situations. Uh, so he's he's well aware this uh, this more recent precedent has uh, uh, been set by, uh, by Pope, Pope Benedict before him, and so he's he's willing uh, willing to do that. And this is you know it's new news in that it's a new interview uh, with the Italian media, but it's something that he has hinted at uh, in uh, in the last uh, year plus. Uh, th- there's been uh, numerous uh, discussions, and uh, obviously he's uh, he's denied that it's imminent, but uh, it is obviously in the back of his mind. Uh, if the Holy Father were to feel that he's just too tired to go on, he would follow in the, in the footsteps of his predecessor, uh, Pope uh, Benedict. Yeah, again, nothing imminent there, but, uh, you know, uh, kind of operating in humility, he's hinted enough, it looks like that might be the way that uh, that his papacy would come to an end through retirement. It's interesting, uh, in the, in this story uh, that uh, is reported by the Daily Mail, uh, the Holy Father um, reportedly said that uh, he felt a bit ashamed to use a wheelchair due uh, to a knee injury. You know, he realizes uh, that he has gotten older and he's not in the same health as he was before. So uh, interesting insight into how he, he feels some limitations. And you remember at the end of, uh, Pope uh, John Paul II's pontificate, he too uh, was in a wheelchair and, and had to go through a lot of, uh, of physical suffering. Yeah, and well, you know, modern man in general, right, uh, the, the end of life stretches out longer maybe than it used to uh, a long, long time ago. And so we see people operating at a, at a higher level, uh, even though physically maybe they're not uh, everything that they used to be. But, uh, and, uh, you know, so for, for all of us, uh, we, can, we can still do a lot more maybe at an older age than we used to. And so uh, when you have a job that usually goes to the end of one's life, 
uh, the end of life uh, can look different on average than it used to a long time ago. And again, uh, this is a chatter uh, about the, the possibility of the Holy Father uh, stepping down uh, is uh, in anticipation of the 10th anniversary of his pontificate, which is coming up uh, this Monday on uh, March 16th. So uh, I'm sure there will be a lot more reporting on this as uh, as uh, our church and, and the world reflects on uh, 10 years of his pontificate. Yeah, yeah. We're going to wish... Uh... Holy Father, in advance, uh, happy 10th anniversary. So we'll have a lot of coverage on that Monday, of course, here on Morning Air, too. For sure. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I understand there's a, yet a, another update on the Mexican cartel that kidnapped four Americans, resulting in the death of, of two of them. Yeah, there's, uh, the story you know, continues to unfold, and we're not sure exactly uh, yet uh, uh, all the parts of the story, but the four that were kidnapped a week or so ago, and uh, two ended up killed, two returned injured back to uh, the United States, uh, the cartel that supposedly uh, kind of claimed responsibility for this uh, dropped off five guys all tied up with a note apologizing. Uh, whether those are guys that were actually involved or not, we don't know 100% that for sure yet. <laughs> but the cartel appearing to apologize for getting the wrong people, it said, in a case of mistaken identity. Also, some questioning, uh, you know, again, a sad loss of, of two lives there and the wounding of two other Americans, but some questioning the, the actual purpose of, of their trip, uh, noting that all of them had long rap sheets as well. And, you know, we hate to say it's anything other than it might be, but it just seems like there's there's a lot more story yet to, to be unfolded. Yeah, it is absolutely uh, incredible that even the cartel realized that uh, the behavior by their own members was over the top and uh, uncalled for. Yeah, yeah, perhaps that's the, perhaps that's the real story there. So again, more more to come with that. On a uh, much happier note, today is National Mario Day, and I know this is one that our Sarah has been waiting to talk about. Yeah, no, I was excited to find out that today was uh, National Mario Day, just officially recognized by uh, Nintendo just a few years ago in 2016, and <clears throat> actually started just because if we're looking at um, how to do the short form of March, it's M-A-R, and today's the 10th, a 1-0, kind of looks like ah. the name Mario, so it's kind of <laughs> one of those made-up holidays that is just kind of fun for people who like Mario, who's played not Mario as they were growing up in the 80s and 90s, and boy, has he come a long way from just that uh, plumber with his brother in the original game, and many, many different versions, and... <laughs> Where I was looking it up, there's just so many different themes and fun musical uh, things associated with it in games. And actually, even in Florida, in Universal Studios, they just opened uh, a, a theme park for Super Mario. So uh, his, uh, his ex- extension and reach, and he's beloved by many, so many that he's just going, not just uh, to leaving your household and making his own theme park. That's pretty cool. All right. Now, Super Mario came out uh, in 1995. Uh, did you ever play this game? Oh, you're talking to me. Yes. No. Uh, yeah, it was a big fundamental uh, beginner game for any for people in my generation, for sure. Yeah, we had lots of fun and uh, with that game. And uh, let me tell you, uh, uh, John, when you hear this sound, that's a good sound. That means that you completed the level and you're doing well. But if you heard this sound... Not so much. Better start over. So there's there's just a lot of fun with that kind of game. Uh, Glenn, what about you? 
I tell you, my uh, one of my uh, grade school best friends, his mom worked at a neighborhood bowling alley. So when we'd hang out over there, sometimes we'd be playing some of the early, early, early video games, which included all of two of them. Oh, yeah, pinball, pinball machines there. But for video games, Pong, of course, uh, the, you know, slow speed back and forth uh, computer tennis. And there was one other race car game, which was called like a top-down view while well, you're you know, watching this one dot race around a track, and there was one little part that was an oil patch where you could slide a little bit. It was pretty, pretty basic. That's and pretty so, tricky. Uh, you got to like avoid job, that one yeah. <laughs> oil patch. <laughs> Full disclosure. Then, uh, to let you know, too. Uh, yeah. I started oh, to say, I, I, I was never into um, uh, Mario, but uh, I did play a little Pac-Man uh, here and there. But uh, what I loved when I was growing up was playing foosball. I was a foosball Nut, the, the little soccer foosball. I remember staying up yes, one Christmas yes, yes. till five in the morning with my cousin playing foosball, if you can imagine. <laughs> so, yes, a, a different type of game, uh, but not of the video variety. But uh, kudos to all the uh, Mario fans out there. Uh, t- out there. Today is uh, his day to, uh, to celebrate uh, uh, again. As always, uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Really appreciate it. Hey, sure thing, John. We uh, begin every morning, first things first, always in prayer, uh, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, always keeping in mind that every day is a blessing and every day is a gift. And we always pray through the intercession of our blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio and my hero, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, even though we're already uh, almost through the second week of Lent, if you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's uh, Lenten lessons on the Mass, it's still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Uh, You can actually go back and catch up with all the episodes that you may have missed, again, at relevantradio.com slash Lent. In the words of Father Rocky, get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. So, folks, it's still not too late. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And if you want to send us an email directly, it's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now I want to talk to all of the men out there, our brothers in Christ. According to a recent Pew Research study, America is the number one country in the world in fatherlessness. This is a big problem, and to add to the issue, a new book called Men Without Work found that 7 million working-age men have actually dropped out of society. Why are men dropping out? Why are they stepping down? Uh, We are in a crisis of men, uh, but there is hope. There's always hope. I want to tell you about the upcoming Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference that can inspire men to become better husbands, better fathers, 
to live uh, their vocation courageously. Uh, here is one of the speakers, former Major League Baseball, uh, five-time uh, Kansas City Royals All-Star, Mike Sweeney. Hello, man. I'm Mike Sweeney, and I'm blessed to speak with you at this year's conference. We'll reset our minds and reset our hearts in an effort to live our vocations as men, husbands and fathers, courageously. We're a band of brothers, and together we'll courageously live our vocation no matter what they throw at us. So right now, I'd like you to register for the conference at a parish near you. Bring your sons, brothers, and other men who understand the importance of retaking and remaking our culture. Mike Sweeney, one of my all-time favorite uh, professional athletes and Major League Baseball players. This guy is passionate about our Lord, our Lady, uh, and our Catholic faith. The 2023 Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference is taking place uh, tomorrow, uh, March 11th, at the Schoenstatt Retreat Center in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, if you're anywhere in the area, by all means, you got to check it out. And it's also available virtually in more than 100 parishes across five different states. I recently spoke to Kevin O'Brien, the CEO of Best Version Media, to hear, first of all, to share his take on this crisis with men and to tell us about the Men of Christ, one of the largest Catholic men's conferences in the country. Kevin O'Brien is also the co-founder and president of Men of Christ, as well as the co-founder of the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. Kevin played pro football in the mid-1990s. He was a linebacker, primarily played in the Canadian Football League and the World League, and uh, he's been married for 23-plus years and blessed with seven beautiful children. Here's my conversation with Kevin O'Brien. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you. It's been a while since uh, we last uh, connected. Hey, John. Yeah, it has been a little while, but uh, hey, it's, it's, it's great to be on, and uh, we're super excited about uh, what's taking place on the effort, you know, to go out and to... Uh, to reach men to go out into the deep and, and bring them home to uh, the Catholic faith. Well, it's an exciting uh, thing which which you do and uh, your movement. Uh, I've had the joy of attending many men's conferences uh, in different parts of the country, uh, including yours, and uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Kevin, before we talk about this upcoming um, men's conference uh, there in in Milwaukee, uh, can you share with us your your take on this crisis that's happening uh, with? our brothers uh, in Christ, with, with men who, uh, what they're going through these days? You know, I think that, the, you know, there's so many different facets to it, but the, the overall is just men are drifting away. And I think as a, uh, as men, you just said some stats, right? The U.S. now number one, follow this uh, uh, country in the world. There, just, there's a lack, almost a sense of effort to evangelize men. And, 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 and by the way, to evangelize men for all the guys out there, sometimes it's hard because, they, they, I don't need that right now. So one of the things from a men of Christ perspective, we're, we, we are very intentional. We we're, we're picking up phones and, and making, you know, asking guys to come back. The, we call it the tap, right? Touch a person. And it's very personal because, you know, I think a lot of times guys just feel they're not needed. And you see that with the, the stats of the 7 million men that basically have not only dropped out of society, they dropped out of culture. And what are they doing? They're not doing. Uh, they're not. They're not doing church. They're not doing work around the house. What they do do is they do screens. So there is a um, a need, a desire uh, for us to to go out and to get them, as Christ said, right? Go out into the deep and bring them home. And really, the men of Christ the apostles is striving to do that 
And we do it in two ways. We use the conference experience, right? In the gospel reading a couple of weeks ago was talking about how all evil starts in the heart. So we want to create this powerful experience. We want to get to the heart and have them enter into back at, uh, enter into the sacrament of confession and then cleanse that heart, open them up and get to their, to the, to the mind, do some formation through men's groups that we've set up all throughout the diocese. Well, Kevin, um, one of the stats that has recently come out is uh, the the reality that uh, only about 17% of men are going to Mass these days. That that is really, really alarming. Why do you think that the men are not stepping up to the plate and and being the spiritual leaders in their families and going to Mass? Yeah, I think a lot of it is they just, they're drifting. You know, you look at how the the culture, uh, we uh, we can't be ignorant to what the culture is doing. There is this lack of of uh, um, uh, environment that's around for guys. So they're getting caught up. I mean, I just had a friend talk to me yesterday about a coworker uh, whose husband is addicted to porn and she's looking at it separate. So there's, there's all these things that are pulling us away. And I think a lot of times uh, men just do not see faith uh, being relevant to them. And I don't see a lot of people, a lot of individuals going after. Like one of the things that we are always struggling with is, trying to get the entire parish around uh, the support of bringing men back. Sometimes you'll feel that we put more effort into like a fall festival than we do about going after the leader of the home. Because one of the things that we've found, um, you know, as the father goes, so goes the family, right? And that's if the father stays in the faith, the children stay in the faith. So we're not, you know, there's just not a lot of effort yet. And we're really trying to help elevate that out and, of course, create a a powerful experience when they do actually come back that they're converted. Uh, Kevin, uh, can you uh, tell us, especially for uh, the the men listening who may not be familiar with your organization um, or your conference, for that matter, who are the Men of Christ? Yeah, so, you know, the Men of Christ is just a a group of Catholic laymen that have come together and, and really do something we think is very powerful. Uh, we want to make a difference in the world, and we believe that difference is by empowering men to, to boldly live their faith. So Men of Christ starts with the, the process, as I said, the, the uh, creating a conference experience so that guys come back. They're then cleansed. They then enter into these men's groups. And you can learn more about what we're doing at menofchrist.net. Uh, you heard Mike Sweeney. Thank you for playing that. He's he, Like you said, I know you know Mike. He's a, a great guy. A great guy. And one of the things we've done is we've created a hybrid model. This, so you can literally participate from your parish by bringing a, a group of men together. We have over 100, I think it's like 111 parishes participating in four, and I think it may even be five states now. Um, so you, it, because of the process is so easy, it's basically a conference in the box. You plug into it. It's based, It's from 830 to about 1230 in regards to length, or you can watch from home. So even if there's not a parish near you, because we do want guys to come together and have that bonding experience and build that brotherhood. Um, but you can go to menachrist.net, sign up either one of the parishes that are there or actually start one or watch from home. Well, I tell you, you guys are blessed to have Mike Sweeney. I believe he's your keynote speaker uh, this year. He is about as powerful uh, of a speaker uh, from a professional athlete perspective as you'll ever hear. This man is on fire for, uh, for Jesus, for our Blessed Mother, for the Eucharist, for our Catholic faith. You know, Mike, Mike had come in and, and we had him spend the, the night, like he came in and did a leadership uh, talk for us. And uh, to your point, he is just, he's the real deal. I mean, he's a guy that just loves the Lord, loves his Catholic faith, uh, is living that out. And the guys are really, truly inspired 
to hear his words of, and his big message was being yoked together, like how the power of staying together and the strength and unity. And it was such an encouraging message. And that's something, you know, the men that that participate are going to be able to hear from him. You have a a couple of other uh, really good speakers, uh, including the Archbishop, uh, someone who I know well, uh, Archbishop uh, Jerome Listecki. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Bart Schuess. Again, he is a uh, professional football player uh, that had come back, and he's got a great story, Father John Burns, and then Archbishop Listecki, which one of the things that we've done is we've got a father-son blessing. So this idea of we're encouraging our, our men to bring their son so they can see their their father's engaged in it, and Archbishop is going to uh, to lead uh, that uh, that blessing for us. Sounds fantastic. Uh, the, a father-son blessing. Great opportunity for fathers to, to bring their sons and expose them to the, uh, your lineup of powerful speakers and to get uh, really inspired and, and motivated to be courageous men of Christ. Uh, Kevin, I really uh, enjoy uh, being with you here this morning. Many blessings uh, in your upcoming conference. Thank you, John. And I have to say this before, as we roll out, but Relevant Rail was a key part of us uh, starting this. Just the, the great work that you all are doing there. Uh, we're a big promoter of uh, Relevant Radio and all the great work that you do. And that was Kevin O'Brien, co-founder and president of uh, the Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference. The 2023 uh, Men of Christ Catholic Men's Conference is taking place tomorrow, March 11th, at the Schoenstatt Retreat Center in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and virtually in more than 100 parishes in five different states. Visit menofchrist.net uh, if you're interested and you want to sign up. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful event. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. A Catholic evangelist and author Omar Aguilar will join us to talk about the inspiring story of a hairdresser named Maria who cuts hair for free for the most needy in her town. Stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Friday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverett. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. It's great to be with you here on this Friday morning as we do every uh, morning. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The promise that the Lord is our only strength is just as true today as it was in the days of Joshua. God has promised to be with us in every difficulty, in every tough time that we face, every problem that comes our way. Our Lord Jesus Christ commands us to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for he is with us always until the end of the age. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-914. 
Now, I want to tell you uh, a little bit about an inspiring story of a woman, a hairdresser who cuts hair for free for the most needy in her town. Her name is Maria Lopez, and when she was still studying hairdressing, she started a project at her school that would impact the lives of unemployed women. You talk about giving back and real almsgiving. Uh, This is a great story, especially here in Lent. Joining us live for much more perspective from uh, the Dallas area is Catholic evangelist and author Omar Aguilar uh, with more on this story of Maria the Generous Hairdresser. Omar is the director of liturgy at St. Cecilia Catholic Church in Dallas, Texas. He's also the host of several Catholic and pro-life programs on Spanish radio and television and the author of the book Latino Catolicos en los Estados Unidos, Latino Catholics in the U.S. Good morning, uh, Brother Omar. It's great to be with you. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us uh, once again on this Friday morning. Well, happy Friday. It's good to be back, John. Happy Friday to you. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a while uh, since we last uh, connected. Um, Tell us more about uh, this inspiring story of uh, Maria the hairdresser. Uh, Absolutely. It is a beautiful story. And as you just said, it is a very inspiring story. But let me go back real quick to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because in there we read in in, in number 2462 that almsgiving, it's it's a work of justice pleasing to God. And this particular story of Maria doing this amazing, pleasing work, uh, it's precisely that is justice, is to give those in need just what they need. Maria is not really doing nothing crazy, nothing out of her reach. She is just doing as much as possible to give them justice, to help these people, to improve just the way they look. And by doing that, she is helping them to be better, to maybe go out and look for a job, to maybe go out and try to improve their lives. And just by doing one simple act of love, which is fixing their hairs, maybe sometimes helping them with a little bit of makeup and stuff like that. So basically for us, and particularly this Lent season, almsgiving is this project, if we want to see it this way, where we are giving those in need just what they need. You know, we're not asked. Sometimes when we think about almsgiving or, or giving something, we're thinking that we, we have to give more than what we can. We have to give more than, than what it is possible to us. But in reality, it's not. It's just to be just. To give the other person, first of all, what I can give. You know, if I can give a dollar, then give that dollar. If I can give $20, well, by all means, help them. And if I can give more than that, please do that. But at the end of the day, what Maria is doing is to being just, to give justice. And uh, she's not only changing uh, these women's appearances, uh, but she's actually going uh, beyond cutting people's hair. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, once again, it's not just cutting people's hair, it's getting ready and, and perhaps even help them, push them to say, hey, listen, you know, now you're getting a haircut. Why don't you start looking for a job? You know, now that you feel better about yourself, now that you look better, now you can go out. And, and one of the beautiful things that Maria is doing, that she is open and whenever she, whenever her business are open, People can walk in and, and, and get the help they need, get the justice they need. So basically, she's not putting them aside and saying, listen, you can only come and, and do this, you know, I don't know, in the last hour or over business hours or only on a Tuesday night. Whenever she's open, they, they know 
the people in need know that they can go there and they can get the help they need. And I think this is one of the most beautiful things because for the most part, you know, almsgiving and, and doing something for others, for most of us, it becomes something that, let's say, we can only do on a Saturday afternoon or on a Friday night because the rest of the time we don't have time. Maria is proven and is showing us to us that at any given time, we should be able to, to give one another, to be just to one another. Absolutely. When you consider uh, the price of women's haircuts these days, they could be anywhere oh, from goodness. 30 to $70 <laughs> for just a, a regular haircut. I'm not sure that even includes uh, the blow drying. And then if you throw in color, it could be 150 to $200, depending on the salon that you go to. So she really is giving back. Uh, she's really... Uh, Following our Lord's uh, command when, when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive, something that we always say during the pledge drive. But uh, what, a, what a great, inspiring story if somebody really is giving back. Oh, absolutely. And, and not only on that, on, on, that, on that scripture passages, but many times over, Jesus talked about the importance of giving. He says in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he talks about like, if we want to be perfect, what do we need to do? Sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. So once again, we know, we understand, particularly during Lent, you know, we heard about uh, praying, about fasting and about almsgiving. But, you know, sometimes we can stop there and say, okay, that's what I'm asked to do. But what is it that it, what's that about almsgiving? Almsgiving also helps us to, to grow in a deeper relationship with Christ, with our faith. So when we give, we're coming out of ourselves, you know, we're putting the other before us and this is something that helps us to get closer in a relationship with Christ because that's base because that's basically what Jesus does all the time. He puts us before him to the point that he's given. He gave his life for us. And so that should be an inspiring story. And particularly during this, this season, John, all of us should be willing, at least a little bit, to get up ourselves, to grow in this deeper relationship with Christ. And uh, Maria is a great uh, example for all of us uh, here during the season of Lent of, of true almsgiving. I understand the only requirement that she has uh, for any of the ladies who come in for a haircut is that they have to show proof uh, that they really are in financial need. And so... Uh, uh, it, it is a beautiful story. I really appreciate uh, you, you being with us, uh, Omar, uh, uh, to, to share this story. And I, I think it, it may inspire others uh, to give back here during the season of Lent. Absolutely. Hopefully it does. You know, as you just read it a minute ago from Scripture, do not be afraid to love one another. Absolutely. As always, thanks so much, uh, Omar, for, for being with us. Really appreciate it. God bless you all. Thank you. Catholic evangelist Omar Aguilar, the author of the book Latino Católicos en los Estados Unidos, Latino Catholics in the U.S. We're going to take a short uh, break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Bishop Daniel Bogenberg, the bishop of the Diocese of Reno, Nevada, will look ahead to this Sunday's gospel with our Glenn Leverance. Don't change that dial. There's much more to come on this Friday edition of Morning Air. Looking at life from a Catholic worldview. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you. And now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. 
Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. Our Gospel reading for this third Sunday in Lent comes from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself, with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand, because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am He the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman, but still no one said, What are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified, that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. 
Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Time now to dive into that reading from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 32 for the third Sunday in Lent. Joining us for a, a drink from the well today, once again, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from the Diocese of Reno. Great to have you along, Bishop Muggenberg. And great to be here, Glenn. A deep and powerful reading here, the woman at the well that uh, our Lord gets a drink from and uh, offers her so much more than uh, quenching her thirst as well, gives her lots to think about, inspires her to go uh, uh, tell friends about what she has encountered. And uh, even the fact of our Lord speaking to a woman, speaking to a Samaritan, all kinds of things, turning the normal course of events during that uh, season of Scripture on its head. Very much so. I think this passage is one of the most rich passages in the Gospel of John, and certainly um, I think that the Gospel writer wants all of us to kind of identify ourselves with the woman at the well um, in in a variety of different ways. Um, And uh, so there's a lot of stuff we can gain about this passage to help us enter more deeply, not just into the experience of Lent, but maybe into an appreciation of our own um, journey of faith and how we can learn from this woman and her encounter with Jesus. We're most familiar with the term Samaritan in terms of, oh, a good Samaritan, somebody that's a good helper. But uh, in Bible times, Samaritans were kind of the the look-down, outcast people, and yet Jesus interacts with them time and time again. That's true. You know, during the time of Jesus, if someone went from, if a faithful Jew went from Galilee to Jerusalem, they actually crossed to the other side of the Jordan so that they could avoid the region of Samaria and not pass through it. And in this passage, we're told that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, but he didn't have to. It wasn't a geographical necessity, nor was it the normal route of travel. He had to pass through Samaria because he had to bring the gospel to someone there who needed it and whose life needed to be transformed by God's grace. And that's why he went to the well during the heat of the day to meet that Samaritan woman. And she is a symbol of all of us who are, um, you know, how do you put it, exiled from God's grace in whatever way through the presence of sin or you know, lack of care in our spiritual lives, all of us who feel distanced from God are represented in this Samaritan woman. But Jesus goes out of his way to meet her and to bring her the gift of faith. And that's what he wants to do for us as well. As evidenced by the fact she's there in the heat of the day, not the cool of the morning when most would grab their water, but maybe to avoid some of the other uh, wagging tongues that might be in her community as well. You know, we we all, and yeah, your observation is very correct, and you know, people have lots of um, uh, interpretations as to why she's there in the heat of the day, that, you know, perhaps it's because the other uh, women of the community would not accept her, and so she had to go to the well when no one else was there. Um, but I think that there's a deeper application to that image. You know, the reality is that we all expect God to be with us in the comforting moments of our lives and the pleasant moments of our lives, but when we're in the heat of the day, and when we're experiencing, you know, some of the harsh moments of life, then we can feel God's absence. And Jesus wants us to know he's there with us in the heat of the day as well, particularly then if we will turn to him and stop trying to satisfy our thirsts based on the same tired wells that we return to every single day. 
I think a little bit about the bright light that we can be as Christians in a, in a dark world in terms of this woman was very surprised that Jesus would come to her because he was a Jew, and normally they wouldn't have anything to do, like you said, with Samaritans. So even those who, who need help are often surprised that it might be available in an unfamiliar face. That's very true. You know, um, Jesus is offer, asking of her a very simple gesture, namely, give me a drink. And yet he's wanting to give her an, an eternal grace. And uh, she doesn't quite understand that in Jesus's request, it's not that he needs something from her. He wants to engage her in a cooperative relationship. And if she will engage in that cooperative relationship with him, which will now take place through the conversation that follows, then she will be able to be led to the gift of faith uh, and the gift of salvation itself. And that's what Jesus wants her to have. But he needs to lead her there. And so he's asking her to engage with him, cooperate with him, you know, um, converse with him. And, and that's part of the beauty of this passage is how our Lord leads her to that deeper faith. Well, and he uh, talks about uh, this encounter is much more than water and helps her to understand not only God's point of view of things, but for her to understand that he knows and understands her in a way that very much surprises her. That's true. You know, um, she begins by simply referring to him by the most generic reference possible. She says, how can you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan? And as she goes through this conversation, her references to Jesus show us that her faith is deepening and growing. She calls him sir, and then she refers to him as a prophet, and then she questions whether he could be the Messiah. All of these show us that her faith is deepening and deepening and deepening, but there's an obstacle that's there. And the obstacle is that Jesus is wanting to speak to her about um, a, a profound spiritual meaning of water, namely, you know, the gift of eternal life welling up within her. But she is so locked on a surface interpretation of their conversation. And so our Lord has to get her past that. He has to help her break free of this obstacle that's holding her back in her faith life and in her relationship with Jesus. And that's when he tells her to go and to bring her husband. And in that conversation, it it, it is revealed that she is not married, that she's had multiple husbands, and the man she's currently with is not her husband. Now, Scripture scholars debate the significance of that particular conversation, but one thing is certain. It's only after that was brought into light that she can now move deeper in her faith. And so, in a certain sense, I think that Jesus was, you know, exposing um, the, the presence of, of sin, the presence of an irregular relationship that was putting her out of sync with God's will in her life and actually holding her back from her spiritual growth. And once our Lord points that out, then she readily continues in that conversation to deepen her faith. It did deepen her faith, and is that a good note for us too, Bishop Muggenberg, that we need to sometimes deal with the difficult things that we might rather not talk about in order to make some progress, and that's exactly what happened with her. I think that's exactly one of the things that John wants us to learn from this very, very beautiful passage, is how our Lord, our Lord is going to help each one of us identify the obstacles of sin that are holding us back, not because Jesus wants to humiliate us or shame us or because he wants to make us feel bad or reprimand us only. The Lord actually wants to set us free. He wants to call us deeper into that um, life-giving relationship with him. And so it's out of his love and mercy 
that Jesus will help us to know those things that are holding us back. And when we realize that, then we will pray for the Lord. We will pray for the Lord to reveal to us what what's the presence of sin that we currently don't recognize. You know, what's the complacency uh, in our lives that's actually caused us to become stagnant in our relationship with Him? And that's a beautiful message for this third Sunday of Lent, because if we're going to grow spiritually during this time of Lent, a mature disciple needs to know what's holding them back. And then we need to take that to the sacrament of reconciliation and be set free so that we can continue to deepen our relationship with Jesus in these remaining days of Lent. Our Lord's ministry work sometimes will surprise us. If we're good Catholics and good Christians, sometimes we might kind of scratch our head and wonder, what, what's God doing? Well, Jesus, what are you doing talking to this Samaritan woman here? Well, his disciples certainly wondered that, and they were almost petrified that he had um, eaten with this woman. You know, um, they wondered if someone could have brought him food. You know, they were panicking that he would share a meal, because, of course, such a thing was forbidden uh, in the time of Jesus, um, to share a meal with a Samaritan, and especially with a Samaritan woman. Jesus clarifies, and he says that his food is to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father, of course, is to bring the gift of faith to the world. And that's what he's done for this Samaritan woman. And now he's going to bring that gift of faith to the entire Samaritan town that, that she has evangelized. And, uh, and Jesus is telling his disciples that's what he feeds on. He feeds on the fact that other people are coming into that experience of faith. And he wants us to find our food in that same apostolic work as well. And whether it be a family we influence or a people group, as was the case here with the Samaritan town, by, by reaching one with that ministry that can then go forth and share the good news that can really turn around, in that case, that town. It's true. You know what? One person bearing witness to the power of God in their lives can transform a community. And we saw it happen with the apostles. You know, 12 people went out into the world. And the entire message of Christianity today is thanks to their witness and their proclamation of God's saving works. Um, and so we need to realize that we have that same responsibility and that same powerful effect when we freely share with others um, our experience of God's saving grace in our lives. It awakens within them a hunger for that same saving grace. And hopefully, like the people in this town, Hopefully they will go and meet Jesus for themselves so that they can believe in him, not just based on our words, but because of their own encounter of him. Now that's an, that's an important dynamic of faith, that, that as mature disciples, we don't just rely on what other people have told us about Jesus, but rather their stories of faith should motivate us to a personal encounter with Jesus ourselves. Uh, rich Gospel reading out of John 4 for this week, the third Sunday in Lent. Thank you so much, Bishop Muggenberg. If you'd be so kind as to wrap us up with your blessing. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God, who desires all of us to come to the gift of saving faith, awaken within us a desire to grow deeper in that relationship with Jesus during these holy days of Lent. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called An Unspoken Bible. His name is Bill. Bill's got wild hair, wears a t-shirt with holes in it, jeans, no shoes. 
literally his wardrobe for the entire four years of college. He's brilliant, kind of esoteric and very, very bright. He became a Christian recently while attending college. Across the street from the campus is a well-dressed, very conservative church. One day, Bill decides to go there. He walks in with no shoes, jeans, his t-shirt, and wild hair, and the service has already started. So Bill starts down the aisle looking for a seat. The church is completely packed, so he can't find a seat. By now, people are really looking a bit uncomfortable, but no one says anything. Bill gets closer and closer and closer to the pulpit when he realizes there are no seats. He just squats down right on the carpet. Although perfectly acceptable behavior at a college fellowship, trust me, this has never happened in this church before. By now, the people are really uptight, and the tension in the air is thick. But this time, the minister realizes that from way in the back of the church, an elder is slowly making his way toward Bill. Now, the elder is in his 80s, has silver-gray hair, a three-piece suit, a godly man, very elegant, very dignified, very courtly. He walks with a cane, and as he starts walking toward the boy, everyone is saying to themselves, well, you can't blame him for what he's going to do. How can you expect a man of his age and his background to understand some college kid on the floor? It takes a long time for the man to reach the boy, and the church is utterly silent except for the clicking of the man's cane. All eyes are focused on him. Can't even hear anyone breathing. The minister can't even preach the sermon till the elder does what he has to do. And now they see this elderly man drop his cane on the floor. And with great difficulty, he lowers himself and sits down next to Bill and worships with him so he won't be alone. Everyone chokes up with emotion. When the minister gains control, he says, What I'm about to preach, you'll never remember. What you've just seen, you'll never forget. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some people will ever read. John 13:35 says, This by all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Another inspirational uh, Story Corner. If you uh, want to go back and listen to any of Glenn's Story Corners or download any of them, it's real simple. Just go to our podcast at relevantradio.com. Now, coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Father David Guffey, the executive producer of Catholic Central, will discuss, can Catholicism be actually funny? And uh, how can humor be used to share the gospel, to evangelize. Plus, Catholic and pro-life attorney Mary Helen Fiorito will join us to talk about Women's History Month and how the early American feminists were actually pro-life. So stay with us. We have a lot more to come in the final hour of this Friday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.